Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Bienvenido to the latest La Liga Lowdown podcast. It's match day 26 in Spain. And I feel like we've been treated to some fairly good match days this year. I feel like we've been blessed with plenty of gorgeous goals this weekend in particular. I'm joined, my name is Rory Barlow, I should have said that, but I am joined by Sam Leverage. How are you doing, Sam? Hey, Rory, I'm, I'm not great after some of the refereeing this weekend, but an entertaining weekend nonetheless. Yeah, I feel like there was plenty of big results. There was obviously the Seville Derby, and we will come on to that in due course. There was big wins for, for Real Madrid, for Villarreal, for Barcelona. That's all to come in due course. For Levante, even. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, not making a mistake. They did actually win, and they won quite comfortably um, in the shock of all shocks. You do have something to get off your chest, though, don't you, Sam? Yeah, no, the refereeing this weekend. I mean, Spanish referees have a, a built up a bit of a reputation of late, and I don't think this season has been a great season for them. But this weekend is probably the worst they've had all season long I mean Saturday's action was just drama after drama after drama in the first game it was Mallorca Valencia and Luis García Plata was sent off and he complained after the the whistle that it was a red card because he asked for a yellow card for a foul and it wasn't worth it and and so on and the referee Jorge Figueroa was also the same referee who sent off Kike Sanchez Flores at Hatafe not that long ago so building a bit of a reputation there then Hetafe Alaves there was a red card for Jorge Cuenca which was just never a red card and we'll hear a bit more on that later but it was unbelievable that VAR called that back then Real Madrid Raya Vallecano I mean Casemiro with an awful challenge if you haven't seen it he kind of stamps onto the ankle of of Oscar Valentin and he had to go off being carried and and supported by the physios because he couldn't hold his own weight on his foot anymore it was an awful challenge and Carlo Ancelotti taking Casemiro off exactly at the same moment (laughs) kind of showed that he knew it was a red card as well and then even at Leti Celta, I mean, Iago Aspas after the final whistle was raging because he thought that Josema Jimenez could have been sent off Sunday. Marcos Acuna could easily have been sent off uh, for Sevilla. I mean, a lot of controversy, a lot of questions of whether VAR should have intervened. And I think it did intervene when it shouldn't have and it didn't intervene when it should have. So lots of questions for referees to answer, I think, this weekend. Yeah, certainly. And I think, as you say, it's consistency. That's all you want. And... More than anything, I think the thing that um, 
annoyed me for want of a, a, a sort of a nicer phrase um, was Marcos Acuna's challenge was was absolutely there's nothing to do with the ball there was no even the ball it wasn't even in play in terms of the tackle that he made and Fakir went off as well and the message that I think referees are starting to send to a point is that you can leave one on your opponents and you might only get a yellow and you might end up taking the best player of the other team out of the game I mean yeah you can argue that Canales but yeah, it, it wasn't great. Moving on to sort of more of the football, was there anything that kind of stood out to you this weekend? Well, I think there are loads of big results across the board. I think the race for the top four is getting very tight now with, with Betis' defeat against Sevilla. I mean, that really tightens things up between Barcelona, who were fantastic, Atleti, who were very good, and Betis, who maybe, is this a start of their downfall? Who knows, maybe it's too, too soon to speak, but... Real Sociedad and Villarreal winning as well, so I mean it's getting very tight there. I think that's going to be one of the big talking points that, that we'll have. Yeah, and we will sort of cut to the European race. I mean there was a it was a big Seville derby this weekend. It was massive. It was decisive, I think, for for Sevilla in terms of their keeping in the title race, and it was decisive for Betis in terms of how they affront this kind of European challenge because um, their gap has been reduced to one point in sort of the top four race ahead of Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. But you yourself, you spoke to Alan Feely about the game, who was there at the Seville Derby, and it was some atmosphere at the Ramon Sanchez Piece Juan. So I'll hand over to yourself and Alan just now. So I'm joined by Alan Feely, who is there at the Estadio Roman Ramon Sanchez Pizjuan. Alan, how are you doing? How was the, the atmosphere at Pizjuan? Very good. It was a very intense atmosphere, to be honest with you. Um, it was an amazing occasion, like, you know, clear blue skies in Sevilla, the Andalusian capital, uh, a completely full stadium. The first game of the season where it was 100% capacity at Sanchez Pijuan. Um, two, you know, very strong football teams. The first time ever that both of them were in the top four in La Liga going into the derby. Some fantastic players on show, um, but each and every player on the pitch was completely committed to the game. Um, a bit of violence, a bit of, you know, spite, a bit of history and everything, to be honest with you. So, yeah, phenomenal occasion. I think Sevilla were deserved victors and it was a, a brilliant game to be at in person. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, you must have been one of the very few neutrals at the ground. I mean, what was it like to kind of see so much passion going on? I mean, do you think that Sevilla were the, the worthy winners? I mean, it was quite a convincing win in the end. Yeah, I think, you know, you were with me at the, the Cup game um, maybe last month, I think it was, the beginning of, middle of January, where it was at the Benito Vinamarine and there was, you know, the incident with the missile being thrown from the stands. So there was a bit of a, you know, bad blood between the two teams going to this game, between the, the fans as well. Um, so it kind of had a bit more energy and a bit more enthusiasm than it normally would have maybe. And also the fact that it was the first, you know, full derby at the Pijuan. Um, in three years, the first one Julian Lopetegui's ever coached in his career after Sanchez B1 with a full stadium. So it had a bit of impetus, you could say. And on the balance of play, yeah, I think Sevilla were the better team. I think in the first half, Sevilla were 
absolutely superior. I think Bennett's played within themselves a bit. They didn't play with the fearlessness and the ambition that were customarily associated to this team. It was quite similar to the derby at the Villa Marine back in November when Sevilla won 2-0, I think it was. And Betis similarly didn't play to the way we've become accustomed to them playing. Um, in the second half, it was a bit different. I mean, Betis had more chances. They could have scored three or four goals had they did shooting boots on. And then, of course, Sergio Canales got a goal back in the dying minutes. That was a fantastic free kick. So, yeah, I think first half, Sevilla was a much better team. Um, but I think that they were fortunate with their goals. But yeah, yeah I was going to ask you about that, Alan, actually. I mean, what was the thinking from Manuel Pellegrini? Because, I mean, Rui Silva has been the starting goalkeeper in the last few weeks. And then he switched it up for the derby, which nobody quite saw coming. It was funny. Actually, I know a guy who his wife works in a school and Claudio Bravo's daughter attends that school. And she basically told this woman that Claudio came home on Thursday and said, dad is playing on Sunday. So it was a pre-planned thing, pre-orchestrated, I think, before the game from my perspective. It was, you know, his experience, his pedigree, his coolness and the pressure, his sangre fria, you could say. Um, but I guess it didn't pay off today. And I think that there's merit to having a goalkeeper you play every single week because you know he's the number one. I mean, the top teams all have it. But I think there's merit to having a keeper you play every week. So while I see the logic of playing Claudio Bravo for that game ahead of Rui Silva, I think that it was a mistake because he was called for both goals. Yeah, and so kind of going forwards from this, obviously this is a big result which is going to have a big impact. If we take a look at Sevilla first, I mean, they're trying to keep up in that title race. Loads of injuries in their squad. Another one for Papo Gomez today. There's six points off Real Madrid with 12 games to play. I mean, can they keep the pressure up? I mean, lots of injuries, Europa League going on as well. Do you think this could kind of propel them a little bit and, and give them that motivation to keep fighting? I think it was a massive win because it was a difficult game. I mean, obviously, Betis are probably playing the better football this season. They have been all season. I would say they're a better football team, even though that's ridiculous to say, given where Sevilla are on the table and what they've done in previous seasons. But I think that Sevilla play results football. And when the results dry up, things go wrong. Because Sevilla as a club like their players and their teams to play attractive, you know, crowd-pleasing football. It's in the Anglosian character. Um, and I think Betis do do that and Sevilla don't. So I think when Sevilla were always going to begin to lose games and draw games, that's when problems could come in, especially with the injury crisis you mentioned. Um, so I thought going into this game, the Betis were probably the favourites because of the way that they're playing this season. They are playing attractive, you know, performance-based football. Um, so for Sevilla to win in the manner in which they did was massive, in my opinion. And I think that, you know, looking forward, Madrid is set to come to the Sanchez Pijuan in the middle of April, I think it is. Um, that'll be a massive game. And if they're within touching distance when that game comes, it'll mean everything to them because it means that there's a chance. I've never said that Sevilla can win the title. I don't think they can. I think it's Madrid's title. I think they're going to win the league this season, for sure. Betis, you know, playing Rayo next in the Copa then playing um, Atletico at the weekend and then, you know, going and playing Eintracht Frankfurt in the Europa League. It's a bit of a deflating moment for them. And I mean, uh, Sergio Canales did his pre-match, post-match, just in front of me today. And he was quite clearly fuming, absolutely fuming. He really was because he and Rakitic had a serious battle today, which is uh, ironic because they're two of my favourite players in the world. So seeing them going at each other like that. And they're both nice guys too. It's kind of jarring, but like, but yeah, I think he, he'll be smarting from it. I think that, We'll see how they bounce back. I think that they can. They showed it against Villarreal. They lost heavily to Villarreal 2-0 two weeks ago. Bounce back. So we'll see. Yeah, and obviously Betis, I mean, they've got Atleti up next in La Liga and they've only got one point lead over them now. Barcelona, if they 
win their game against Athletic on Sunday night, then that would be a tight gap as well. So things are getting very tight in the battle for third and fourth. But just one final question, Alan, before we move on. Julian Lopetegui's celebrations, we were just discussing them before we started recording. Have you ever seen anyone celebrate a win like that? No, I haven't because I was literally directly in his eye line and I was looking at him as he was celebrating and he was something else, you know, I mean, like, I really like Julian Lopetegui because he's a man who wears a shirt, his, his heart in his sleeve, you know, I think like a lot of Basques, he's kind of of that school of football, if that makes sense. And it meant a lot to him because it's been it's been hard times for Sevilla in recent weeks. You know, as you mentioned, um, Diego Carlos, Anthony Martial, and Gonzalo Montiel underwent phys- uh, fitness tests this morning to play in this game. They're missing any centre back in the second half. They were playing two central midfielders and centre back, um, so they're uh, they're bare bones, you know. And they've been unlucky with injuries this season, 100%. And their squad is good, it's strong, it's balanced, but they miss their best players when they're not there. So to win this game in the manner in which they did was huge for them because, as I said earlier, you know, Sevilla as a club based themselves at this moment in time with this team, the group of players, this coach, on winning and getting results. So they have to be getting results as, as you know, banal as it sounds. And they did that today. And coming off the back of a European trip to Croatia with the last um, and progressed to, through, but, you know, didn't reconvince. Um, drawing with Espanyol last weekend, you know, Jules Gunde was unjustly sent off, in my opinion. But the effect of this game is exponential. I think it's going to be a very big, big moment in their season, potentially. And it's very interesting to see how it'll pan out between now and the end of the season for both for Sevilla in the title race and the Europa League, and also for Betis in the top four race, because as you mentioned, Atletico, Barca, Villarreal are all right in there as well. So we'll see where that It's been an entertaining end to the season. Many thanks to Alan Feely and yourself, Sam, for, for bringing us that excellent content. And it will be fascinating to see how the title race plays out in the coming months. Sevilla still hanging on in there. Betis, of course, as we said, they, uh, they've had their redu- gap reduced and will come on to sort of the European race, the Champions League race. But first of all, Real Madrid. I mean, we mentioned Casemiro's potential red card. It Turned out to be a narrow win for Carlo Ancelotti's men. Benzema with the goal, Vinicius with the assist. Just uh, repeat and, and play for Real Madrid. What did you think of this match? I thought it was an intriguing one because I mean, Real Madrid, no rotations really from, from Carlo Ancelotti again. And he said after the game that he thought he'd done a good job in how he managed the game. I'm not sure I'd entirely agree with that because I think Real Madrid are starting to look quite tired. And again, he didn't make too many early subs and... And that's a very Carlo Ancelotti thing to do. But, I mean, Real Madrid just about got over the line and, and maybe they could have had more on another day. I mean, Lucas Zidane in goal for Raya was an inspired form. But Raya had their chances too. And I think on another day, I mean, around the 80-minute mark, Raya had a few shots saved by Courtois, fantastically cleared off the line. And you just think if there was a little bit of luck that went the other way and Benzema didn't get the slice of luck with his goal, then, then it could have been very different. But... My main takeaway from that, again, looking at Real Madrid, is is Marco Asensio. I think he's been in superb form lately, and against Rayo again, he had two or three really good chances, which which really tested Lucas Zidane. So he's getting into form and hitting form at just the right time because Ancelotti does need that strength in depth, and 
and he's already positioned himself kind of ahead of Athar, the head of Bale, and as that third man in attack. Certainly, and I think he came in for heavy criticism against PSG for Real Madrid, but in these sort of tighter games against kind of um, sort of not mid-table opposition, but yeah, the teams below sort of the Champions League, he's really been contributing quite a lot. Moving on to sort of Atletico Madrid, you were at the Wanda Metropolitano, you saw them beat Celta Vigo 2-0. This moves them sort of again, they, they stay level with Barcelona, a point behind Real Betis. But more importantly, this was a good performance from Atleti. Yeah, an excellent performance. I mean, the same lineup that played against Manchester United in midweek, and they were really good against Manchester United and didn't deserve to end up with the draw. And then in this game, they were just, again, very similar. I think Jeffrey Condogby has come into the team, and it's exactly what Atletico needed to have a bit more control in the middle. Hector Herrera is playing possibly the best he's ever played for Atletico Madrid these last few games. I mean, he's just dictating the tempo controlling the pace of games and, and that was where Atletico won this tie against Celta. They won the midfield battle and that made it so much easier to play in Lodi running down the flank and and he has some two brilliant finishes which I'm sure will get him an MVP nomination later but his transformation has been fantastic since he's come into this left kind of wing back a bit more advanced role that Yannick Carrasco usually plays and so I think Atletico where earlier in the season we spoke about how their squad wasn't strong enough in depth we're now looking at them and saying yeah these are the players are stepping up and and this is what I thought Atletico would do I mean last week with with Matt we were talking about the race for the top four and I said that I think Atletico can grind out the results and I think this is what Atletico are doing now these results are kind of proper cholismo proper grinding out results without necessarily rolling teams over 100% and I think certainly their last three games I think you can go back to Osasuna and say that Atleti have been very good in, in those three games they've looked different they've looked more competitive just something I want to briefly touch on you said um, sort of Lodi was playing do you think he was playing more of a wing back role because Reynaldo has been playing sort of a back three or back four do you think it is more of a back four that he's gone to now or do you think Lodi is sort of still a wing back no, I think Lodi is still a wing-back. Reynildo is very much kind of taken over the Mario Hermosa role, which is kind of this strange back three, which is more kind of one-sided um, because Rosalico is much deeper on the right, which means that it's almost a four that then converts into a five. But Lodi is, is much more offensive. I mean, against Manchester United, and, and to be honest, I haven't seen the, the position map for Celta Vigo, but against Manchester United, he was the most advanced Atletico player. And I mean, that's kind of the role that Lodi's having and he's picked up this Carrasco role and he's almost being a bit more offensive than Carrasco has been. So he does drop deep when, when Atletico are under pressure, but it's almost a, a very attacking wing-back kind of role. Great insight there. And uh, just moving on to sort of some of the other European contenders, Villarreal smashed Espanyol 5-1 in the early game on Sunday. And Jeremy Pino scored four goals, an amazing performance from him. They are now just three points off the Champions League places. What were your thoughts on this? Villarreal seem to really be hitting form and doing so without Gerard Moreno. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who would have said that Jeremy Pino would, would score four goals? I think it was, <laughs> I looked at the figures, I think it was something like 1,872 minutes for the last four goals that he scored. And then here he was against Espanyol doing it in 53 minutes. So a pretty incredible performance from him. One that I'm sure he won't be forgetting any time out. A huge win for Villarreal, but it just seems to be clicking for them. And the fact that they're doing this without Gerard Moreno just speaks volumes. And I think they're top of the form table and maybe they left a little bit too late to seriously get into the equation for top four. But they are only three points off. 
No, certainly in the mix. One team which is hanging on, maybe not to the Champions League spots, but to, to the European places is Real Sociedad. They secured a 1-0 victory over Osasuna at home. Quite an important victory though for La Real this one after a really tough kind of week to 10 days. Yeah, definitely. I mean, being knocked out of the Europa League, the defeat in the derby last weekend, I mean, things have been really, really bad for for Real Sociedad. And I know there's been a lot of pressure on him and Alaguacil and some fans even have started to, to doubt whether he's the right man. I mean... This is, after all, only their second or third win. The third win it is, I think, this calendar year, which for Real Sociedad isn't good enough. I mean, looking at the form table before this weekend, I think over the last 10 games, they were 17th. And, I mean, that's not what we're expecting of Real Sociedad. It's very similar to last season. I think that's the concern, is that last season they started superbly and then fell away. This season they started even better and then fell away even more dramatically. I think he's still the right man for the job, but... They need to pick up these wins and and he needs to try and pick up a bit of form now and, and build on this win from, from Osasuna. I mean, their next game is up against Mallorca. But then the three after that are Real Madrid, Alaves and Sevilla. So it's not going to be an easy few weeks ahead for them. Moving on to the Sunday night partidazo, Barcelona 4, Athletic Club nil. It should be said that Athletic did rotate a little bit in this match. This was, again, another promising performance, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, how happy are you, Rory? I mean, a 4-0 win. I mean, <laughs> Barcelona can't stop scoring of late, can they? Yeah, definitely. And I think even sort of more than this, it's it's worth commenting on the Napoli game on Thursday night where they beat Napoli 4-2. They went away from home in Europe, something that's been an absolute sort of recurring nightmare that they just can't get out of. And to get that monkey off the back, I think, is huge mentally for this team. The fact that goals are coming easily, people are finishing chances with the exception of Ferran Torres. First time instead of taking sort of three, four chances to score. I think for me as well, what's really encouraging is as much as the goals have been flying in lately, Barcelona in the last three or four games, they've defended pretty well for my money and conceded one or two really clear chances each game. That's resulted in goals for Valencia, for, for Espanyol and for Napoli. But this game, I think Guillaume Balaguet said it in the commentary. Athletic will get one chance. They will get a counter. They will get a set piece. That just never happened this match. And, and that is, given where Barcelona were and given how they were defending, it's sort of squeaky bum time every match at some point. That's pretty, pretty remarkable work that they didn't concede sort of anything really this match. But I think it's time to wrap up sort of the first half of the show. We've wrapped up most of the European race and then... Don't go anywhere because we're going to come on to sort of the bottom half of the table. Yourself, you were at um, the Coliseum Alfonso Perez to witness Hatafe's 2 0 draw with Alaves, and you spoke to Owen Maurer. We will drop into that very shortly, so don't go anywhere, and we'll be back in a jiffy. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. Just before the break, we promised you Owen Mauer, we promised you Sam Leverage from the Coliseum Alfonso Perez, where they witnessed a two-all draw between Hitafe and Alaves and a big match in the relegation dogfight. So without further ado, I will pass you back to Sam and on to Owen. Getafe la pone una al cerradito sobre la portería. ¡Qué gol! ¡Qué gol! ¡Qué gol! ¡Qué gol! ¡Gol! ¡Qué la confianza! ¡Gol! ¡Qué golazo! And we're here in Hetafe, waiting for the train back into central Madrid. It's very cold, but I'm here joined by Owen Mauer from the La Liga Lowdown squad. Hi, Owen. Hi there, guys. How's it going? So we've just been here to watch Getafe and their two-all draw with Alaves, an entertaining game with Enezu now the star of the game. What were your kind of general impressions from the, the 90 minutes, Owen? Um, yeah, it was, you know, lots going on. Um, lots of pressure put on the referee from the home fans throughout. Um, an early red card um, for the home side for Getafe. And yeah, sort of going on from there, Alaves couldn't really get away from, from Getafe, who dug deep with 10 men um, on two occasions to, to get an equaliser and get um, get the draw. So, yeah, they did well. It was good, good atmosphere throughout. And what did you make of that red card and the refereeing in general, Ryan? I mean, it was controversial, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, as I said, the home fans kind of, yeah, summed up my, my views towards the referee as well. It was, you know, it was quite hard to see in the ground, lots of, you know, commotion going on um, with the red card and the VAR review. Um, I need to look back on that and see exactly what went down. Um, but aside from that, throughout, it felt like the referee was getting bullied into decisions um, on a number of occasions. And it, from the red card, it just seemed like it was a tit for tat from both sides to try and, you know, get as much noise around the referee, put as much pressure and and yeah, get as many bookings going. Um, so it kind of distracted from the football. Um, but yeah, yeah, Jaime Latre not covering himself in glory in the in the black on Saturday. But, I mean, 
let's talk about Alaves. I mean, twice they took the lead and then were pegged back by Getafe. And they're three points from safety with Granada still to play this weekend and 12 games left to go. But they've only got one win under Jose Luis Mendelibar. I mean, what did you think of them? Do you think they've got enough to stay up? Or was this the kind of game that they need to take three points from if they are going to compete? Yeah, I think that this was the kind of the ideal scenario for them to get a, a big statement win against an informed Getafe side. Um, in terms of firepower, they clearly do have that at their disposal. However, I think their inability to see out games will be something that could hold them back from uh, from staying up come the end of the season. And Getafe then, I mean, a pretty impressive performance from them given that they were down to 10 men after Jorge Cuenca was sent off early on. I mean, they twice equalised. I mean, perhaps they would have been hoping for more than a draw from this one, but I think we can be quite happy with their fighting spirit today. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think they started the game well. Um, tried to get that sort of fluid passing play going, um, but it felt as soon as that wasn't coming off, the pressure started to come and Alaves were able to capitalise with an early goal. Um, but yeah, they did have to dig deep, as you rightly said, and they can be proud of themselves for, for pulling back and getting that point because you know, when, when we were watching the game um, and they got the first equaliser to make it one all, uh, Unal's first, um, and then they were instantly back <laughs> two on down. Um, it did kind of feel like Alaves had the best opportunity from there to, to get another goal and, and see out the win. Um, so for them to t- turn the tide on that um, with Unal rather, um, you know, magnificent goal. I don't know if he meant it, but, you know, they all count. Um, so yeah, they can be happy with the draw today. Yeah, non is Ronaldo. I mean, that's 13 goals in 15 games under Kike Sanchez Flores for him. Uh, a looping header for the first equaliser, and then the second one, like you say, I mean, who knows if he really meant it, if it was a cross or a shot, but it went in, which was the important thing. I mean, just how impressive was he on Saturday? Yeah, um, first time seeing him in the flesh, and he had such um, an aura about him. It felt like Alaves didn't really know how to deal with him. Um, and not only that, he was, you know, pivotal in getting the crowd going and getting them behind the team. Um, after he scored the equaliser, you know, very animated in front of the fans um, and getting that going again, which, you know, goes a long way in, in building that momentum for the players on the pitch. And that kind of all felt that it stemmed from him. Um, so, yeah, it was fantastic to see him today. Um, yeah, only positives to say from his performance. And he went off just before full time. Um, I think he had a bit of a knock, but... Yeah, the fans all on the feet, standing ovation and rightly deserved for, you know, the star player today. Exactly, yeah. And as Ronaldo has been really important for Etafe. Now six points clear of Alaves, who are sitting in 18th as things stand with, with plenty of action left this weekend. So let's see if this is kind of the result that helps Etafe to secure safety. But Alaves still have a long way to go. Thanks for joining us, Owen. Yeah, thanks. All the best, guys. My thanks once again to yourself, Sam, and to Owen Marrow for breaking down that match at the Coliseum. Moving on, the big story from the bottom half has to be Levante. 3-0 over Elche at home at the Ciutat de Valencia. They're six points off safety. Is the impossible possible now, Sam? I really don't think so, but this result (laughs) is the one that's given me the most hope for Levante. I think they just... 
aren't going to have enough, but I think they've definitely improved over the last few weeks. I think Alessio Leshis is beginning to have kind of what he wants this team to look like is beginning to take shape. And this win over Elche was very impressive. I mean, Elche, of course, came into this time superb form. I mean, we can't forget that. This isn't Elche that you think of when you think of Elche. This is an Elche team that would be taking points off Real Madrid and, and a couple of big teams. So I was shocked that they managed to win this 3-0, but I think it might just be too little too late. I mean, unless Levante really go on some kind of crazy form, it's going to be really difficult for them to sustain this. And I mean, the next couple of games, they've got a difficult away trip to Athletic Club. Espanyol at home, Osasuna, another difficult away trip. But then they face Villarreal and Barcelona. I mean, those five games, they need to be getting kind of 12 points from that at least. And I'm not sure that's going to be possible. But you never know. I mean, Granada in free fall at the bottom of the league. I mean, Cadiz and Alaves are both appointed new managers and don't look exactly convincing. So maybe there is an option, but I don't think so. Yeah, certainly they will have to go on the mother of all runs towards the end of the season to, to make it out. And it is the big if. I know you wanted, sorry, I, I skated over Espanyol earlier while we were talking about Villarreal. I know you wanted to touch on them briefly. They're eight without a win. They're still eight points from safety. But yeah, you wanted to have a word on them, didn't you, Sam? Yeah, no, I mean, Diego Lopez, after the game, he spoke to the the TV cameras and he said, Micaela Cara de la Ruenta. <laughs> Like literally, my face falls off from the embarrassment and the shame. And I think that's a little bit of where Espanyol are at. I mean, they had a very heavy defeat to, to Betis at home. This is a heavy defeat to, to Villarreal. I mean, their fixture list over the last few weeks has been incredible. I mean, Villarreal, Sevilla, Barcelona, Athletic, Betis. I mean, to take two points from that run might not sound that bad, but things start to add up. And eight games without a win, knowing that Espanyol have only won one away game all season... You wonder if maybe they start to get dragged into this battle at the bottom, I mean. Yeah, and they play Hitafe, Levante and then Mallorca in the next three matches. And if they were to go winless from that, then certainly you could uh, you could maybe hear hear the sweat sort of dripping off um, Vicente Moreno. So the final game I want to touch on was Mallorca's defeat to Valencia, 1-0, an absolute screamer from Gabriel Paulista. This is a goal worth checking out, a goal worth uh, taking the time to go onto YouTube. And it was a fantastic goal. Elish was sent off towards the end. Mallorca, as you say, they're five points off the drop. Anything that sort of stood out to you from this one? A big win for Valencia, their first in 2022. Yeah, big win for Valencia, but I mean, Mallorca should have walked away with three points from this one. And if not, then a point. I mean, the XG for this one was 2.02 for Mallorca, 0.48 for Valencia so I mean this should have been a comfortable win and obviously Gabriel Paulista's I think his goal was 0.02 xg it was a proper stunner so yeah definitely chuck that out (laughs) but Mallorca had plenty of chances I think they had 23 shots in total I mean for a team to have 23 shots and not score at home you can see why Luis Garcia Plata was a bit frustrated at the end but I've remarked on it before I think Mallorca throughout the season as you say they've kind of left points on the board and that's a very worrying sign if you're not sort of completely clear as you go into sort of the final third of the season and you go into that that crunch time. If that's everything we need to cover, I think we are good to move on to MVP. Or is that all right with you, Sam? Well, first choice. Uh, I'm going to go to you first of all. I think 
this was knowing that you're an Atleti fan, knowing that you're at the Wanda. This is somewhat obvious, but he does deserve it, and he's coming for plenty of criticism. Yeah, Renan Lodi. Um, so I was quite split in from the Atleti game. I thought that there were kind of two candidates: Jeffrey Condogbia and Renan Lodi. And Condogbia set up Lodi for both of the goals. And it was interesting actually that Lodi spoke after the game and said that he'd spoken to Condogbia and said, "Like, look, I keep finding these gaps. If I make this run, and and it worked perfectly. I mean." It was both of those runs that that he finished. I think that was the thing that really stood out for me from from Lodi's performance was that he had two really composed finishes when we're used to seeing him more kind of being very much a, a left back in front of goal. And but then on Saturday night, I mean, two very composed finishes, and, and one was a, a rocket into the near post, the other one was kind of a dink in between the legs. And I think he's really going to be a a useful asset for Diego Simeone in the next few weeks if he can keep up this form because this is the best he's played in a long time and as he was substituted off walking behind the goal the whole of the Wanda Metropolitano chanting his name and and he was in tears walking around the pitch so I think this could be a real turning point for Lodi in, in his season. Yeah and uh, Leti do seem to have a habit for sort of uh, the zeros going to heroes and, and sometimes back again with Mario Hermoso in mind from a few weeks ago. My first choice, I'm going to go with um, the incredibly obvious one, which is Jeremy Pino. Four goals. I mean, yeah, um, what more is there to say? I think the way that he took these goals, very sort of striker's instincts. There was a couple couple goals that were sort of first-time finishes. One of them was sort of at the back post, and he just sort of nips in ahead of the defender. One goal, he, he beats the defender in the air, six foot three, the defender was. I think Jeremy Pino is a... Is a Small five foot seven, and he he climbs above him. He wants it more, gets to the ball first, and heads home. And then there's another one as well. It kind of falls to him in the box, and he manages to readjust on the fly and really sort of get a good connection, sort of in in milliseconds that it kind of drops to him, and he gets the angle right. And it, it's a bit of a statement sort of performance, I think, from Jeremy Pino, because you have been surprised that he's not been kind of a more central part of Villarreal, especially with the injuries they've had. And I looked at Jeremy when he came on against Juventus in the Champions League and he, he added something different. He added sort of a bit of daring and the way that he plays with... He's from uh, from the Canary Islands and he plays with a sort of similar lack of fear with as Pedri. And he, he really has that kind of ability to to take, on, take the ball uh, and go for it and, and try and make the difference, which in a young player is pretty invaluable. So yeah, Jeremy Pino is my second choice and uh, yeah, four goals kind of speak for themselves. Who are you going for next? I'm going to go for another one of the obvious candidates. So we spoke about it with Owen earlier, but Enes Renal was fantastic. I mean, this is a guy who didn't score his first goal this season until the 28th of October and now he's on 13 goals. I mean, 13 goals in the last 15 games. Imagine if he's got the same number of goals in La Liga this season as Benitez Jr. I mean, imagine if Benitez Jr. had only started scoring on the 28th of October. I mean, we'd be talking Ballon d'Or, we'd be talking everything. Okay, maybe Enes Unali isn't quite a Ballon d'Or <laughs> candidate yet, but he was superb. I mean, to put it simply, Hetafe wouldn't have walked away with a point if it wasn't for him on, on Saturday. And Deccan one was, was a cross-come shot that, I mean, when we spoke with, with Owen on Saturday and we hadn't watched the replays back. I mean, we were saying, oh, did he mean it? Was it a cross? Was it a shot? But watching the replays back, you can see him kind of lift his head up, look over, see that the goalkeeper is just off his line. And then as we now, we seem to be nominating him for MVP every week lately, but deservedly so. I mean, he's the hero for Hetafe. And... Increíble, the form of Venice now. And 
I mean that in a very literal sense that it's, it's almost unbelievable. Like I, can't, I cannot get my head around it. <laughs> On to the final choice. And so he only played half an hour, but he pretty much made the difference in that sort of 30 minutes. And I'm going to go with Usman Dembele. He scored a goal and assisted two and he sort of took the game away from Athletic when it looks like they were maybe beginning to get a foothold in and his first goal was an absolute rocket at the near post. His two assists, again, two brilliant balls just sort of really floated into the path of Luke de Jong and then Memphis Depay after that. I mean, he was whistled at the start of this match when he came on again and the way that Xavi has backed him, the way that he was hugging him on the touchline after his goal, I think maybe the tide could be turning for him because when you've got someone of that ability who's capable of, of making such a difference like that and somebody who's committed to the cause because he was also running back, he was back sort of in his own box tracking athletic players at one point as well, it'll be hard for the fans not to be won over by that kind of performance. Moving on to, to moments of the week, what are you going to go for, Sam? Well, I think it has to be the, the Grand Derby. I mean, just the scenes that the Sanchez beat Juan. I mean, spoke about it with Alan earlier and he spoke about kind of the tension after the last derby and the, the Copa and the clashes and you know, everything that went on there. So to see everything go down without incident and to see such a fantastic atmosphere and, and Lopetegui going crazy. I mean, for me, that's what football is all about. That's the best of, of Spanish football, the best of such a big fixture like the Grand Derby. So... I think the atmosphere there has to be the, the moment of the weekend with, with no doubt about it. I mean, the only damage that was done was that Sevilla fans somehow managed to smash the window of their team's bus, their own team's bus, but by cheering them on so hard <laughs> and banging the side of the bus to, to encourage them. So I think that's probably the perfect way to summarise the, the Grand Derby and the passion of fans that they smash their own team's bus window. That is pretty impressive. Argentine levels of passion in Seville. I'm going to go with my moment of the week has to be Pedri because he's just so, so very good. There's one moment before this that could have been it where he's sort of under pressure, sort of really sort of back to the wall, no help. And, and sort of, I think it's Balenciaga is bearing down on him and he gets out of it with a, a backheeled nutmeg through Balenciaga, which was pretty incredible. This play I'm talking about, it, it makes it a beautiful goal because Pedri picks it up again. He's surrounded. He's got two athletic players sort of behind him or with him good feet to get out plays the pass and then gets it back and then sort of hits what in, in sort of in the vernacular of my childhood would have been a scolzy pass in the fact that it just sort of arced over the defense over the fullback right in the path of Dembele and was uh yeah half the goal was that kind of uh that kind of play but I have to say it probably would be criminal of us not to play out on Seville's the noise of the Seville derby so so that will be the noise that you hear shortly. Make sure, as I say, to follow us on Twitter because we will be covering La Liga across the week, especially in the Copa del Rey ties coming up. We've got some great content on there, especially Sam's recent piece about the great escape, Kike Sanchez Flores' spell at Hitafe this season, which is pretty remarkable and, and worth reading about, even if it wasn't for the good words of Sam. But I shall bid the listeners goodbye. Thank you once again for listening. Thanks to yourself, Sam. Thanks to you, Roy. And we shall see you again next week, or, or at least hear you.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.